0: This week's episode of the Run Eat Drink Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Head on over to patreon.com slash Run Eat Drink Podcast and subscribe today. Fans, founders, and insiders like you help us keep the Run, Eat, Drink Podcast going. And we thank you for your support.
1: I'm Bar and you're listening to the Run Eat Drink Podcast.
0: Hey, welcome to episode 154 of the Runny Drink Podcast. I'm your host, Amy. And I
2: am your co-host, Dana.
0: Welcome, welcome to this extremely exciting show.
2: You're beaming. I am. This only happens when we have extra special guests. She doesn't have this reaction just talking to me, just so you guys know.
0: Well, I love you. But... I am married to you, I have been fortunate enough to live with you every day in wedded bliss for over two decades, and and today we're talking to Bart Yasso.
2: To Bart freaking Yasso.
0: Yes. Come on. Yes.
2: We got Bart Yasso. Yes. We've, been, we've been talking about this for quite a while, and I'm just as excited as you are.
0: We are sharing his wisdom over not one, not two but count them. 3 episodes.
2: This is true. Amy's grinning ear to ear and just
0: I could listen to it a million times over. He just is a natural storyteller, an inspiring storyteller, a motivator because he you'll hear about it in the interview how he got his start running anyway. Yes. But, yeah.
2: We're and not going to we're not going to give that away.
0: Then you'll know what I mean. <laughs>
2: Yes, so we have an amazing interview coming up on this week's episode with the Mayor of Running, Bart Yeah, But we are also talking about some healthy food options. We're keeping that trend going.
0: Yes, now last week we were a bit indulgent for Valentine's Day and for the celebration of the Donna Marathon Weekend virtual events. Again, sometimes we gotta indulge. It's about balance. Yes. And I think this episode is a perfect example of balance when we come to the eat and drink portions of our show, because from the Run Eat Drink podcast, Test Kitchen, we have vegetarian Spanish bean soup.
2: Yum. So good. It's one that, uh, it's a recipe that I came up with Mm -hmm. in honor of a couple of our favorites that we've talked about on the show before.
0: So we'll get into that.
2: And then we are celebrating
0: as we record this show, February 22nd is National Margarita Day. I think it should be a holiday for everybody away from work to enjoy and indulge in this beverage.
2: You were combining enjoy and indulge there just now, weren't you?
0: And a joy. <laughs> and did <a> you.
2: J- <laughs> so we have a original recipe that is a riff on a margarita that we got once on vacation. Our
0: experts have been painstakingly for several days
2: perfecting perfecting
0: this this recipe. Our researchers have been hard at work.
2: We have had the Run, Eat, Drink podcast test kitchens working overtime Yes. For this week's episode. We have. And we're bringing you a killer pineapple jalapeno margarita. Excellent. This week on the show. Yeah. Tell me, how are you feeling? Not only are you beaming from the fact that Bart Yeso is on the show this week, you are also uh, coming off of another bout of therapy with TheraBeast this morning.
0: Kristen was very good to me this morning. Yeah. Because she's now incorporating football drills
2: oh did she get the little speed ladder out for you to do oh boy
0: and i was so wobbly and uncoordinated it was terrible but it was new and exciting
2: yeah keeps it interesting
0: keeps it interesting i'm sure she was sitting there really trying very hard not to laugh her off
2: (laughs) amy self-edited so we wouldn't (laughs) have to right there thank you for that
0: yeah but
2: Those drills will get better and faster as you go.
0: She said this is so you can be more agile as you begin to run again. And so that you, so you could sidestep. Oh, she said, oh, here's a stick. You can avoid it. Right. And I had just told her the massive story of the huge log on the Anchorage Run Fest half marathon course.
2: That was a big stick.
0: Yeah. And how it was there on the way out. But then they had painstakingly removed it on the way in
2: they did back into the finish that was a first for us having to climb over an obstacle and then coming back on the back portion of the out and back to find that they had chainsawed it up and gotten it out of the way indeed but you mentioned the anchorage run fest i did that transitions us very nicely it's a you're like a broadcast professional with that kind of a segue
0: no we have the support of our runcation nation and makes me feel more professional every day.
2: Well, we were fortunate enough as professional podcasters who were traveling back when you could travel in 2019 to the Anchorage Run Fest. And yes. that was my first half marathon post-surgery. Indeed. I didn't run it. I, I had to walk, walk the it. whole thing at, yes. at the therapist's instruction.
0: I can't believe you just persistently, you're not going to call her Kristen.
2: One of our That's listeners, Josh, and... Was kind enough to give her own hashtag. That is true, and I think it was very patron of our show. As kind as he
0: is, there it is, brilliant, just brilliant. And she lives up to the name. She. It is a testament to how motivating she is. Oh, she is. How incredible she is as a doctor to to get you back to where you want to be.
2: Oh yeah, she's wonderful, Mm -hmm. but she's a beast. Yeah. And yeah, so. Mm That was my first run, a race post-surgery.
0: And her instruction was to walk the whole thing.
2: I walked the whole thing. I get it. But while we were there, we had the distinct honor and pleasure of listening to Bart Yasso.
0: You can see, when we were at the Anchorage Run Fest, you can see why they call him the Mayor of Running. He is a running icon, and he doesn't think of himself as the Mayor of Running, but every day as the chief running officer of Runner's World. He collaborated with race organizers. He traveled to races all around the world, and just he brought together other runners, fellow runners. He motivated people. He inspired people. He connected people as part of his career, and he still continues his connection to the running community today.
2: Yeah, he's very humble when you talk to him, but... He is instrumental in the creation of the running community as we know it today, as far Mm -hmm. as popularizing the sport, as far as democratizing the sport and bringing it to really everybody, regardless of their training level and demographics. And he, like you said, even though he's no longer the chief Running, running officer. officer for Runner's World. He is still hard at work building community at running events and yeah. traveling the world doing this. And it's just a, an incredible testament to an amazing career. Mm-hmm. And we were fortunate enough to get him for about 90 minutes. But we're going to share with you guys just a portion of the interview today.
0: Yes. So, as you would say... Without further ado, the mayor of running, chief running officer of Runners World until 2017, an icon, one of our running heroes, and one of the most inspiring runners to the running community, Bart freaking Yasso.
2: I cannot tell you. I'm so excited really for Amy because she's sitting here beaming as yes. we are about to introduce to you the guest on this week's episode of the Runny Drink podcast and she's been <laughs> teasing this across social media for days.
0: Well, yes. My my palms are even sweaty right now just thinking about it because today we're joined by the mayor of running, if you will. The Chief running officer at Runner's World up to 2017 when he retired, but I don't think this man retires. Editor-in-chief at Runner's World, Ambie Burfoot, named the Yasso 800s after him. So now you know that we are so lucky and honored to be with Mr. Bart Yasso. Welcome to our
1: show, sir. Oh, thank you, Amy and Dana. I'm happy to be here. Yay! We
2: had the pleasure of meeting Bart almost two years ago at the Anchorage Run Fest. It's been too long.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It seems like. It does seem like a long time ago. Yes.
2: And, and we we had the pleasure of hearing Bart talk yes. at, at, at a pre-race event. And then mm-hmm. as we were heading into the finish line,
0: we were so excited about that. That was so unexpected. Like we're coming into the, the half marathon finish of the Anchorage Run Fest. And we who do we see running across the street? But Bart Yasso and he looked at us and he said, hey, you podcasters. Uh-huh. I was so excited. I was like, hey, this finish is awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right there in downtown Anchorage of all places.
0: Beautiful. It's a small
2: world. You never know who you're going to meet at at a a running event. (laughs) I
0: know. I know. In this year, in this challenging year, this past year, 2020, I'm going to admit that I have listened to your audio book, not once, but twice, My Life on the Run.
1: My Life on the Run, sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I watched your Google talk with the slides. It was a source of motivation and inspiration for me to keep going despite many races being canceled and going virtual. And I think that your perspective and your experience are are so, so valuable. So we're so lucky to have you on the show. And. I just, I want to indulge a little bit and start at the beginning and ask you how you got into running, if you could talk about that for us.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been at it, it's almost 44 years, which is crazy. It doesn't seem possible, but I always tell people, I wish, I really wish I could have taken a selfie of myself when I went out for my first run back in 1977. But as you know, we didn't have selfies in 1977 No, because uh, I look not like a runner i had a like a budweiser t-shirt cut off jeans with a belt tube socks up to my knees you know now they you could get away with them as compression socks but they were called tube socks back in the (laughs) 77 and uh beat up pair of sneakers i guess they were they weren't running shoes and i went out for that run convinced i could run one mile just about killed me to run one mile and uh But that started it all. I just I wanted a change in my life. I wanted to get in shape. I didn't think I was gonna be a runner like to run races, but I was gonna be a Mm -hmm. runner to get in shape. Uh Start out running a mile, because that's a distance that everyone's familiar with. Cover one mile. And then one mile turns into two and then three, and then running one day a week to running five days a week, just snowballs. And then my older brother, George, who was like my father figure, he challenged me to a race. And I was like, dude, you can't beat me in a race. You can't be serious. And uh, so he challenged me to this 10 kilometer race. And God, he beat me in this race, out sprinting me at the end. And But that really lit the fire that I really wanted to be a runner. And I liked the challenge of the sport. So... I, and my brother George was convinced that I could be a good runner. I wasn't convinced, but he was convinced. So I put my heart and soul into it, and it turned out to be a, a lifelong commitment to, to this sport. It ended up being my job. I ended up you know, running all over the world, doing races on all seven continents, stuff. You, you know, you just can't. I, even my wildest dreams, I could have never thought where running would take me. And that's why I always use my tagline, never limit where running can take you physically, geographically, emotionally, spiritually. It's a powerful sport. And I learned that at a pretty young age into my running, what it's done for me and turned, made a career out of it. You said I hit the mayor of running. I've been called the mayor of running for like 20 years. And I don't know where that even came from. But I still hear it when I go to events and you know, do some TV interviews and stuff. They always <laughs> introduce me as the mayor of running. Even though there is no such thing, and I never ran for an office, but it's, <laughs> but it's a fun title, and I love it. People want to call me the mayor of running. That's cool with me. It's
0: an appointed position
1: for you. There you <laughs> go. But that, no, you know, it just started like that, and I ended up getting getting yeah. done at runners world magazine in eighty seven. Worked there thirty one years till I retired, mm-hmm. and I did have the greatest job at runners world. It is. Everybody wanted to be the chief running officer at Runners World, but somehow I got it. And, uh, you know, I look back to think that my work was, a lot of my work was just to travel around the world and do races and connect with running communities at all corners of the of the world. It was it was pretty cool.
2: Sounds like a good gig if you can get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's I always said if I were to write, my job description, that really was what I did for a living. And I know that doesn't happen all the time. It's its pretty rare. And it was an unusual yeah. job description, too. Like, what is a chief running officer? And, you know, it just seemed to, uh, what, the uh, 31 years I was at Runner's World, it just kept, my job kept evolving to uh, mostly to my personality is what I was always told. And they just gave me a long leash and said, go for mm. it. I I only retired, and I retired. My official retirement date was just three years ago. It was like January fifteenth or sixteenth, and I just did. I pushed it into January. I could have retired in December. I was old enough to retire in December, but I was doing so many media interviews about retirement. I had no clue. Like I was so used to doing interviews about running, and now I'm doing all these interviews. I, I was amazed at how many people contact me. And they said, I said, why are you interviewing, about my re- interviewing me about my retirement? They said, you had the greatest job in the world, and you loved your job. We want to we do a story about it. So, so I did interviews for a while, and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I want to go to an event as my last work assignment at Runner's World. So I went to the Bermuda Marathon, and, you know, second week in January, and did the whole thing in Bermuda, and then came home and walked out the door and <laughs> cleaned up my office and I was, I was retired. But I, to be honest, I really retired uh, because of health reasons. It really wasn't. Yeah. It was getting hard to travel as much as I used to travel 40 trips a year is it's an arduous. It used to be easy when I was younger. And of course it was a lot easier when, you know, you just walked into the airport and oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> get there 20 minutes before the flight takes off and jump on the plane. And and as you know, that stuff all changed. And it was it, – travel just became harder. And it was really hard with my health problems. So I just yeah. – I was ready to retire. I could retire. and uh, But I never retired from running, and I never retired from the running community and going to a few events. I do mm. – I, I unfortunately, I, you know, I can't go to all the events that reach out to me, but I try to go to as many as I can.
2: So now you just get to pick and choose yeah. the ones you really want to go to. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah, it is. You know, I wish I could go to all of them, but yeah. i are just back in that mode of just wearing myself out on travel. So I really.
0: You got to enjoy it, it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That I've been with for years and I have such a connection with them and we just have. So much fun doing, I do a lot of pre-stuff for them prior to the event and then race weekend, and speak at their dinners and expos and do race announcing and that kind of stuff. And a lot of media interviews when I'm there. And that's what I love to do. I had my running years, so I'm happy when I show up at a race and do a lot of festivities, race festivities and things that the race really needs.
0: What would you say your toughest assignment was at Runner's World? That's a really
1: easy one. When I Yeah. Do- Badwater, 146 mile race in 1989. I was only yeah. only there two years, and I, I'll never forget. It. I was in this meeting, and we you know, we're all the whole staff was there, and we're all talking about this race, the Badwater 146, 146 miles in Death Valley in July, and and you know, nothing, nothing that. about
2: that sounds good. <laughs> just <laughs>
1: just saying. And, and no one at no one at Runners World really knew about this race, and that was the whole. The whole meeting was about okay. There's this tough race; it's brutal, and nobody knows about it. So the race director convinced Runners World that someone from the staff has to do the race. And I and we're in this meeting, and everyone in the meeting that said, "Oh, Bart'll do it," <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like a unanimous vote that Bart's the one to do it. And I'm like, I thought, okay, uh, you know, I'm- there you go. Yeah, I'm not going to turn that into <laughs> work assignment, so I was doing it. And that was like in February, and the race is in July. The, back then, they hosted it like the third Wednesday in July because statistical data showed that that was the hottest, hottest. day oh. of the year in Death Valley. So that if you're going to run a 146-mile race in Death Valley, you've got to have it on the hottest day. So they, <laughs> it was like a Wednesday that it started. I said, yes, I'll do it, and then kind of forgot about it for a while like two months. And then an editor and one of our promotion people who were gonna go with me on the trip, they said, Hey, we're gonna have a meeting about this and get serious. And I said, I should get serious about training for this thing too. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I never I had a lot of marathons under my belt, but I never ran past 26.2 miles. So I thought, thought I'm gonna run 40 mile training run and 50 mile training run. I didn't do any of that. I just <laughs> I just kept to my Marathon training and then I said I'll figure it out when I get out there. And um, oh
2: my gosh. I, I was gonna ask you if you had done <laughs> if, if you had done any of those ultras like that prior to that. So that answered. No, that, that was
1: my my first ultra. And I always tell people, do an ultra in your life, but don't do bad water as your first ultra. Try <laughs> fifty kilometer, which is thirty-one miles, start there or fifty miles, don't start with bad water. I, I honestly, even though it was nineteen eighty-nine when I did this race. I could remember it was like yesterday. I literally could feel like it just happened. That race director said, One minute to go to the, he had a starter pistol in his hand and he's like, One minute to go to the start of the bad water 146. And I'm like, Wow, I never ran past 26.2 in my life. This race is literally 120 miles longer than I've ever run. <laughs> and I'm like, wow! Maybe I should have thought of that before I got here. You know, <laughs> this is what's going through my head right at the start, and I just remember, like, smiling and telling myself, "Okay, all those miles you've run, this is why you did it. Just go out and enjoy every step of this beautiful place, because Death Valley is a beautiful place. It is crazy hot in the summer." but it's still yeah. uh, it's a beautiful scenery. And just, you know, a lot of people look at a desert and say it's dark and there's nothing there. I look at the desert and think it's alive and it's
2: beauty. Mm. Oh, we love and, the desert yeah, southwest.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, it was. And back then the finish line was on top of Mount Whitney, which is the highest mountain in the contiguous 48 states, 14,500 feet. So it does get cool at the very end when you're 14,000 <laughs> feet. And uh, But you do climb in the last 11 miles. You're on this rugged trail at the top of Whitney. You go from 9,000 feet to fourteen five, And then you get a lot. to the finish. I remember just getting to that finish at 14,500 feet. And you got this beautiful view of the Sierra Nevada mountains. And you're on the highest peak in the contiguous 48. It's a pretty cool thing. And then the race director shakes your hand and greets you and writes down your time. And then he goes up. You better start down because you (laughs) walk 11 miles after you finish to get back to the trailhead because you're on top of a mountain
0: to get to anything.
1: (laughs) So so can you imagine doing a race and you park your car 11 miles away (laughs) and say, hey, we're going to run this marathon and then we're going to we'll get the car. It's only 11 miles away, but the race is 146 miles and then you go 11 miles.
2: Now, the way you just described it, I was like, wow, that sounds incredible. But then I realized you're talking about heat, uh-huh. the desert, uh-huh. altitude. And and then I it, I came back to reality and realized that sounds awful <laughs> yeah, was, and, uh, and amazing at the same time.
1: Yeah, it is really hot. I mean, there is no way around it. Is it, it is a dry heat. That's mm-hmm. not, but it is scorching. the afternoons are really hot. It gets crazy, but just pace yourself, make sure you're get taking your fluids. Everyone has to have a crew and my, you know mm-hmm. my crew, thank God I had a great crew. they looked over me and made sure i didn't uh kill myself. My crew, I always say you know I had the greatest crew. they took care of me, they did everything correctly, except for one thing when we arrived in death valley the day before the race right about two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> We parked the little rv that we had and uh, my two colleagues who are my crew they get out of the rv and i'm just laying in the back of the rv in the air conditioning and i hear them out there and they go they, as soon as they open the door they're like oh my god someone's gonna die in this race i know they're.
0: oh no, <laughs> no.
1: And I, mean, I, your bang, I like bang on the side from the inside i said I can hear you
0: guys. (laughs) That's not not motivation. That's not encouragement.
1: Oh, let's go to dinner before I die tomorrow. (laughs) And they felt bad. They didn't mean it, you know, that way. But I mean, obviously, they're kidding around. But they really—that was the first thought that went through their head when they stood in that heat, not even running a step, just standing there. Wow, it was uh, Mm. was quite the quite the work experience, but. you know what? It was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me at Runner's World because after that, they said, this guy, we can like, he'll do anything. You can do anything after that. Work assignment nobody wants to do. Just send it down to Bart's desk. He'll do it. And, <laughs> and that was uh, but, some of the ways I ended up traveling all over the world because no one else wanted to go there.
2: Well, I hope after well, that, after that getting volunteered for that yeah. assignment that they, <laughs> they cut you some slack uh, for like, a little while.
1: Maybe they
0: let you pick uh, pick one you wanted to go to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it it turned out like that. And when I came home, they the whole not only Runners World to a party, the whole company that owned Runners World and oh. other magazines, a company by the name of Rodale.
0: Rodale, yeah,
1: thing, yeah. They threw a whole party, the whole company. It was really a, lots of fun. There was a band at the airport when I came home. Oh, that's Back cool. when people could come out and greet you at the gate. Yes, sure. I was. Greeted by a marching band. I I remember we that didn't have cell phones back then. Awesome. Did the old calling cards. And I remember my girlfriend, Marty, at the time, I told her, I said, all I want to do is just quietly slip back in home and get some sleep. And she knew what was going on. And she said, oh, yeah, it'll be real quiet. You don't want <laughs> so I come off the plane, and there's a marching band <laughs> there playing. And I'm like, what the heck is a band doing in the airport? And then I realized it was for me. It was crazy. Oh, that's it. It was so much fun because my whole family met me, and it was it was pretty cool. But so wh- don't take, don't do bad water as your first ultra. Oh, okay.
0: It. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm going to take that lesson <laughs> <Yeah>, to <apart>. really.
0: <laughs> but now, if we can ask you, what would you say your favorite race was?
1: My favorite one is all, you know, it changes as you go along. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, I Today. have my favorite memory in running and then I have my favorite race. Oh, By I want my favorite yes. race is the Comrades Marathon in South Africa. Now, they call it a marathon, but it's actually 56 miles. But they just call it a marathon. South Africans are a hearty group of people. It's a hilly 56 miles, but it's the oldest ultra in the world. It's the largest ultra in the world. I get 24,000 people line up to run 56 wow. miles in South Africa. And it's been run every year since 1921. I guess they did a virtual thing last year. Yeah. Uh, but it's just amazing. When, when apartheid was abolished in the, in the mid-90s in South, South Africa, the country really flourished. We launched Runner's World South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe our launch was in nine, 1993. And uh, so I was excited to go to Comrades. And then after Bad Water, I did a couple more Ultras and I got pretty fast in the 50 mile range. So I was, you know, all excited. I got right. My personal best for 50 miles is right just over, I didn't break six hours. I was like 11 seconds. Oh. Breaking six hours, so it's like uh it's like a pace like seven twenty per mile pace for wow miles. Oh. now I can't do one mile that fast, but I could do fifty at that pace, but anyway, so I was convinced that I could do comrades and be in the top fifty, say something like that with the times I could run for fifty miles and uh So I got all excited, entered a race, and I ended up getting sick, and I never got to South Africa. And then I entered again and got sick. I had problems with Lyme disease that really messed me up. And I really gave up on doing comrades. And then uh, when I wrote the book, My Life on the Run, I ended it saying my only regret in running is I've never got to do comrades. So I went over in 2010, I was not in good shape, and I wasn't healthy, but I was convinced I could do it. And I made it because they, they closed their finish line at 12 hours. And if you don't get there, they don't let you cross the finish line. So I made it with like a half hour to spare. And oh. uh, it was in pretty bad shape. But I'll never forget, there was a, a marathoner by the name of Willie Matolo, And he won the New York City Marathon. And I was so impressed that he could win the New York City Marathon because he was a South African, a black South African runner and it was not easy to be a black South African during apartheid. I mean, they really thought their life was threatened all the time. So how do you go out and just run 20 mile, 22 mile long runs and run free? Because they felt they couldn't do it. And I thought this guy, I mean, living in apartheid and he can come into New York City and win the New York City Marathon. I was so impressed by him. And Finnish comrades, you know, I'm hanging at the finish, and the race director made sure I got to see the finish when they stopped at 12 hours, so they shuttled me to this finish area, and I feel this tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and there's a tall, lean, black South African-looking guy, and I look at him, and I'm like, wow, that's Willie Matolo," and he, he, he says, Bart, congrats on comrade, they gives me a big hug, and I was like, Man, if there was, if I could have picked someone to greet me at the finish line, it would have been William Mottolo. And he was there. I, I mean, I didn't realize that the race brings him in and he does some stuff at the finish. I had no clue. But he, he gave me a big hug. And that was, oh, my God, it was unbelievable.
0: What was a wonderful beautiful. surprise.
1: Yeah. But my favorite running memory, I always, always say uh, running the Rome Marathon is also one of my favorite races because you get the whole tour of the city of Rome. But I didn't realize it at the time, I stopped doing the race. And I wasn't at that point in my career, I was still running fast at some races. But I would also go to some races and just enjoy myself. And that was one of the races because my mom came along. So I remember like five miles in the race, come up on Trevi Fountain, and there's my mom. So I stop, and my mom's looking at me. She goes, the race is going on. you got to keep running. I'm like, Mom, it's okay. I stop, and I, I have my picture with her. And then I saw her at mile 20 at the Spanish steps, stopped again, got another picture. and That's, you know, when, after my mom passed away, it is by far my favorite running memory. I got this great picture of me and my mom with Trevi Fountain in the backdrop and I got a number on and really cool. But, you know, at the time, to me, it was a really cool picture with my mom that I really loved. But, you know, as someone passes on and the sentiment and the value yeah. of that world means everything. to me. And it's by far my favorite running memory. No,
0: the, no the experience is more than just the race, a, itself. The race itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. when I went to Comrades in South Africa, I sponsored two South African children through a program called World Vision. Oh. And, and I ran for World Vision in the race. And I got to meet my two sponsored children. You know, you always get these pictures of them, and they send you these little notes that, the, you know, somebody works with them to write you a nice thank you, you note know, for sponsoring them. And, um, but I actually got to meet these two kids. It was unbelievable. And then World Vision had the kids out on the course, and I came along at like mile four. They were at like mile four, you know, coming along all sweated and beat up. And I, all of a sudden, I see this kid running towards me, and I realize it's my sponsor child, gives me a big hug. And then run a little bit more and then there's my other sponsored child he gives me a big hug it was really cool that's the stuff that you know in the end when you do this stuff as long as I've done it and you look back that's the stuff that's memorable I was fortunate enough to win races at one point in my career but it it it's not my favorite memories. it's not what means the most to me it's really the connections with people and things like that, that you know it's priceless to meet your sponsor children <laughs> along, a, along a, the Comrade's Marathon course. It was unbelievable.
2: Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah.
1: It's pretty cool stuff. I didn't say to my mom, go to Trevi Fountain and go to the Spanish Steps. She just she just did it. Yeah. Yeah. She was a great spot to get a photo. And uh, it was pretty cool. And it was a big trip for my mom because she's very she was devout Catholic and she got to- Go to the Vatican and hang out with the Pope, do an audience with the Pope. It was a big group that got to do an audience with the Pope, but she, uh, it was cool. And I made sure she flew Air France because then uh, she stopped in Paris and she went to Notre Dame and went to uh, Mass there and then
2: Aww. went to the
1: Vatican. So she was like, it was a life-changing trip for her. Oh, it
2: sounds like it.
1: Yeah. She passed away about seven years later. But she talked about it all, all, every time. She every time I would get together with her, she would talk about that trip, experiences was, hanging out with the Pope. Or, yeah, yeah. She always called it like hanging out with the Pope. It hanging out with the <laughs> Pope. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool yes.
0: memories. But- you can't you can't take away. They'll always be there, and, and, and so
1: and thanks to running. Yeah, yeah that, yeah. that You just hit it. That's exactly. It's like running was a vehicle that made that happen. And, you know, if I wasn't, if I didn't take up running, that probably would have never happened. So just the little extra benefits that uh, you can't, when you're out there training, you can't think, oh, I'm going to meet my mom at the training someday. Like the stuff just happens if you invest yourself in the sport and invest yourself in the running community and get out there and do this stuff. Good things come your way.
0: What would you say to somebody who is who's out there and who is a, a lot of the people who are a, a part of our community? They're like, we're thinking about getting into running and we're not sure that we can do it. What would be your advice for somebody who wants to start running for the first time?
1: Yeah, you, you just have to start. You got to make that commitment that you're going to start. And then you just start really easy, you know just run to a telephone pole or, or a house and then walk. And then, you, you know, and eventually you just get better at it. And then I always tell people, once you feel like you you can run a couple miles, then you do a group run. I convince people either going to a running store or a running club and doing a group run. Mm. and Once they get that far, it's over because then they meet someone and this person says, oh, I did this race and that race. And you got to hang out with me and we'll train together and, you have to do this. For you have to go there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how crazy and fun the running community is and inspiring all in one until you're immersed in it. And then, yeah. um, you know, I always said every every day I walked into my office at Runner's World, I said this to myself. Every day when I walked into my office, I got to convince someone today that's not a runner to be a runner or a group of people. And and that wasn't on my job description, but I always did that. It was my little personal thing. You work at Runner's World Magazine, we got to always. Yeah. Yeah. So I would always figure out crazy ways to, you know, connect with somebody and figure out that they should be a runner. And I always felt like all I had to do is get that person or group of people out, just moving, get them going. You know, once they go to that group run or that Mm -hmm. first race, it's over, the running community, Takes off, takes care of these people, and I just take a step back and don't need to do a thing. And uh, and then you don't know that from the outside. I mean, I'm sure people look at us like, boy, does people look like they're hurting themselves? (laughs) They're they're not going to have any knees in another year. That's assumption that a lot of people have. Yeah, it's wrong because it's not true. But but you know, I run with like a pain look on my face. I should be out there smiling more. But you know. I always say the difference of a kid, when you go to a kid's race, is kids smile the whole time they run.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: Three kids, run right down the street from me, and they run by my house. They run in my backyard. I have to time them. They run around my yard. I, and they smile the whole time they run. And then the adults show up, and we have like a frown when we run. And it's just, you know, so I think that's people think that we're not having fun. But little do they know how much we yeah. enjoy it. And once you do one of those group runs, and you—I'll never forget—first time I did a long run with a just a small group, uh, like two or three other guys—is like I realized we were already at like 18 miles, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, "I thought we we're at like mile three. <laughs> it was so different because I did every run alone in the old days, and
0: oh.
1: and when I'd do 23 mile runs, I do 23-mile runs, I, you know, occasionally I would see another runner out on these country roads and go. Oh my God, there's somebody else out here running. <laughs> and then I would look at them and i go, oh my God, they're a serious runner. They got a shirt on that says marathon or some race. And then uh, the other thing everyone had back in the 70s, early 80s, we had these uh, Casio watches that cost $9.99, but it had a chrono on it that we could time our runs and splits and everything. And it was really cool. And if uh-huh. some that, if they had that watch, And they had running shoes on, and they had a race shirt. You knew, wow, this person's serious. It's fine. It was was (laughs) rare to see people, and now it's so different. There's so many runners out there, but it was just a different world. But the sport changed in so many ways, and once the amount of women that do the sport, yeah, very rare to have women at races. In fact, they were discouraged to do races and told long time, yeah, not to do races. Yeah. Uh, I feel so lucky that I watched that growth. People, a lot of runners say to me, they're jealous. They say, oh my God, you've been doing this sporty whatever plus years. And I say, well, you know what? You're only been to it two years, but you came in at the right time when there's so many people and there's so many races and there's yeah. group runs and yeah. social. That stuff didn't exist in the old days. So I always say, I always tell people that started the sport recently I'm jealous of them because they came in at a really good time when the sport is really flourishing, except obviously for the pandemic. But outside of that, the sport really has taken off and it's gotten so much more inclusive. And mm. uh, it's really been a real joy to, to physically witness that.
0: You said at the start of the whole interview, as we were introducing the interview, that he's so humble. Bart is so humble. Mm-hmm. And he is. Even at the tail end of this part of the interview, he's talking about how he feels so fortunate and so lucky to have seen the, the birth of the running community and, and how social media and running groups and women and their advancement of the sport. He says he feels so lucky to have seen those advancements in running.
2: Yeah. And in saying that he's, he, I don't believe that he's being, you know, falsely humble. He, no, but he doesn't go and Yeah. And I did that. He isn't, he isn't like that, but that wouldn't have happened without him and his influence and his work at building community and building interest and, motivating and Mm. inspiring people like you talked about
0: he is just one of the running icons that has had such a hand in that yeah and he's just i was so nervous prior to our interview and he made it so easy he really did and just like having a conversation about so many running memories if you're sitting down to dinner and you just and you close down a restaurant
2: and that's exactly the way that interview felt. Yeah. And when we were interviewing him, when it came to the end of our, our scheduled time, we told him, we're like, hey, oh, yeah. we want to be you know respectful of your time. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, I'm good. And
1: just, it was amazing.
2: We just kept going and, yeah. and talking until the conversation really came to an organic close. He was just wonderful to talk to. And we're going to have more of that interview for you guys in the coming weeks. Yes. So, stay tuned for that.
0: And really, again, Bart Yasso, you're amazing.
2: So, let's talk food.
0: Yeah. So, listen, you, me, you, remember the very first episode. Of the Runny Drink Podcast.
2: Way back when we were still a video podcast. I do remember that.
0: A video podcast. So if you go back and you look at our very first episode, then you can see us try the Columbia's Spanish bean soup.
2: Yeah, this is a dish that I actually ate quite a bit of growing up as a kid, both at the Columbia restaurant in Tampa, in Ybor City. Mm Mm-hmm. As well as at home, my mom would make Spanish bean soup inspired by the Columbia restaurant at home on a very regular basis.
0: You've never told me this, so this is yet again a moment where, as we record the show, I learn something new about you.
2: Yeah, uh, this for me is a a nod to my mom and a nod to one of my favorite places that I would eat growing up and that you and I enjoy to this day. And and there are
0: so many memories tied to our, your childhood, our dating life, Mm -hmm. and our friendship, and the podcast. I can't, Richard, Gonsmart, and, and his family,
2: and the staff at the restaurants,
0: and everybody. We had Michael Kilgore. On the show at the end of November. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, that entire restaurant group is like family and they know how to create memories.
2: Oh, they absolutely do. And this recipe is one of those things. It is so simple, mm. but it is so flavorful and so warming and satisfying I wanted to be able to bring this recipe home mm-hmm. and growing up with my, my mom making it, I'm familiar with it, but I also, because of the way we eat when we're training, mm-hmm. I wanted to make a version of this that we could have when we are eating our normal six days a week of vegan or vegetarian. Yes. And I started experimenting in the kitchen to do that.
0: And... This has been the time of year when we could experience things like we had the vegetarian-vegan chili a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. in our recipe on the show. And this cooler weather that we've had over this last weekend... uh, It makes me happy.
2: She loves the bell.
0: Now he's taking the bell away. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah, okay. we, we were okay. fortunate enough down here in Florida. We had cooler <laughs> weather. We didn't have cold weather like friends of ours across the country.
0: There have been a select few days this winter season where Florida has decided to participate in winter. Just a little bit. Just a tad. Not as much as some of our friends up north. And I can tell you that our hearts and our thoughts are with the people in Texas right oh, now. Absolutely. And hoping for them to get through that difficult time that, that we can perfectly well relate to when it comes to hurricanes and tornadoes hitting our area.
2: And being without power for yeah. days at yeah. a time.
0: Yeah. So the the harsh weather that everybody is experiencing, we got only a minute degree of that.
2: Yeah, just enough to, to cool things off down here. But that cooler weather in Florida mm-hmm. gives us excuses to not only go to the closet and get out the maybe the one piece of winter wear you held on to when you moved down here. Right. But also to get out the recipe book and start going for things like soups and stews and mm-hmm. chilies. Exactly. And this recipe, Spanish bean soup, being just a rich, hearty broth. Mm-hmm. And it's filled with things like potatoes and garbanzo beans, and onion. And it is just this amazingly flavorful, simple mm-hmm. recipe.
0: And I would say the version at the restaurant has chorizo.
2: The version at the restaurant has chorizo. Ours. Some Some places also will do some pork butter pork shoulder.
0: Oh, yes. Ours does not. Ours is what we share with you in the show notes this week and, and what we're talking about now these are all the elements to create the, the vegan-vegetarian version. And it becomes so flavorful because yeah. of the warming spices that you use.
2: The real secret to this is giving it a nice base of flavor. The recipe that is in the show notes mm-hmm. is the one that we made here at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: This can all be done in a slow cooker. It can be done in an instant pot. You could do this in a regular, like just a regular pot or Dutch oven on the stove as well.
0: Depending on what you have in the house. Yeah,
2: but you're talking about a very simple base of beans. Mm -hmm. And for our purposes, we use dry garbanzo beans. Because we want to limit sodium. We're limiting sodium mm-hmm. and also they're very inexpensive. Oh and yeah. If you have That's true. a pressure cooker. That is a great way to save some money because you're talking a fraction of the cost for dry beans and you can go from dry beans to ready to eat in an hour. It's awesome. Which is not normally if you're cooking through traditional methods, you're gonna have to soak those overnight.
0: But you can still do it. Oh, you yeah. can still do it on the stovetop if you soak them overnight and then and you can let it go on the stovetop and create that that slow cook. Oh yeah. Flavor.
2: Absolutely. This is a the recipe combines things like diced white potatoes which give you this this great heartiness. You have the mm-hmm. dry garbanzo beans which when they cook they have this almost meaty texture and garbanzos are so versatile we use them all the time yeah we make hummus all the time we've done falafel like baked falafel before
0: they're very filling in whatever configuration we have ever used them
2: and if you are doing like say a meatless monday or if you're eating vegetarian vegan they're in a fantastic protein source mm-hmm. so that's so a boom great option for you right yeah. there we
0: were just talking about that in the coffee chat this morning greg in orlando that we follow on uh instagram mm-hmm. he posts he has another account vegan at the parks yeah and he posts all sorts of vegan options from the parks and from area restaurants in orlando
2: oh i can't wait to hook up with him and and, and talk some vegan options for people doing the vacation up there
0: yeah i mentioned that we had this recipe and he says hey if as long as it's a good protein source yeah
2: yeah i'm in (laughs) <laughs> well, so you've, you, what's giving you the real, the meat and potatoes, quote unquote, without the meat, is the garbanzo beans and the potatoes. Mm-hmm. But what's giving you a lot of the flavors, the broth that you're creating, and you're doing that with diced white onion, diced mm. carrot, diced celery, diced jalapeno. And this is where you get all the control. Oh, in terms of what you put in. terms of what you put in. We've got the recipe in the show notes, but you can choose to leave your seeds and, and the membrane inside of that pepper in or for a little not. more spice or not
0: or you could totally switch out the jalapeno for a bell pepper
2: yeah you know absolutely yeah that, that is totally up to you but then you're also adding in the two ingredients that are really the secret sauce here mm. the diced minced or minced fresh garlic mm-hmm. which even if you're making a recipe that's a recipe for how to cook one clove of garlic you need, you need, to need more use than more. one more you than always one. Need more. yes but the secret ingredient which closely replicates the flavor of the chorizo mm. is smoked paprika this is something yeah. you if you don't have it in your pantry
0: get it because it's it, different from regular paprika
2: totally different yeah and you don't want to accidentally swap the two it's in, in any recipe
0: it's a warmer flavor yeah then the it's a little bit of of more of a bite when it comes to the paprika that's but it, not smoked.
2: But that's it's like, not hot. No. A lot of people confuse this for hot paprika or sweet paprika. Mm. And those are, th- you got hot, sweet, and smoked. And the three of those are totally different other than their color. Yeah. They're all red.
0: Mm-hmm. So you just have to pay attention to the packaging that you're getting.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So you get the smoked paprika.
0: But I also think that warm quality in the broth is also brought to you by the liquid aminos that you use.
2: And I, we use the liquid aminos, and you can get several varieties at your local store. Again, if you are not a person that keeps liquid aminos in the house, this is where your salt would come into play, or soy sauce, that it's either or. Right. We don't add salt, so we add liquid aminos that gives us a little salty hit mm-hmm. and but keeps the sodium down. Yeah. And then I did
0: something a little different. I would say, before you talk about what's a little different, you used water in terms of the liquid.
2: I did. And this is a you could go either way, it just depends on what you want to do.
0: Yeah. If you're wanting
2: yeah. to do a richer broth, mm-hmm you were going to suggest this another secret
0: you were wanting to do a richer broth but still staying in the whole low sodium and low and and vegan vegetarian realm yes then you can use low sodium vegetable broth
2: oh yeah which we have in the pantry and mm-hmm. truth be told when i was making this batch i just forgot that we had it in the pantry
0: But it's still flavorful either way. Mm -hmm. Just side note. But you could also, if you were planning on adding legit chorizo or some other meat, like ham, like you said, then you could use chicken or beef stock.
2: I was going to say, I would actually do, if I were going to do this as a non- vegetarian or vegan option i would go ahead and do chicken broth as the base for the liquid and i would add in either um, diced pork shoulder mm. or pork butt and then also a couple of links of chorizo sliced yeah and throw that in but you could totally do that now you're basically getting to the direct analog of either the columbia's spanish mm-hmm. bean soup yeah or you're getting very close to the soup from one of our favorites up in Orlando. That we
0: haven't even covered on the show yet.
2: Yeah. Cafe Tutu Tango has so a great. soup there. Or they, I believe that. It, I
0: hope they still do.
2: They still do. It's called the Sopa de León. De León. Which is a Spanish bean soup with pork.
0: I have become... I tried with the accent, it didn't work. Okay. But still, that place, we need to get up there and we need to cover that. I agree. For the show because there are many amazing dishes there and that is just one of them.
2: Yes. Mm. But then I went a different direction and I wanted to add something else to give it a little more heartiness, a little something else. And that was chopped kale. Uh, I added in chopped kale in this recipe and gave us a little green element Mm. into the the bean soup. It's so hearty, you could call it a stew, almost.
0: You could. And it also depends on, it would become more stew-like if. We were talking about white potatoes, Mm -hmm. but if you used Yukon Gold's, then they might disintegrate a little bit more into the broth yes and create a heartier broth Agreed. like a, like it makes it becomes become a stew yeah
2: we made this it takes about an hour in a pressure cooker yeah hour and 20 minutes actually about an hour and 20 minutes total. And it is just an amazingly flavorful dish. It's super filling. We had it tonight before recording, Yeah, as a matter of fact.
0: So good. And
2: uh, I I think that this is a fantastic nod to two restaurants that we love Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: try to frequent as often as we can.
0: We have talked about the Columbia on several episodes, but if you want to see the Spanish bean soup, go back to our very first episode. Yes. You can have a good laugh at me
2: pull it up in a podcatcher that will play video Mm -hmm. because that's a video episode.
0: Or you could still get it over on our YouTube channel.
2: Or right on our website. Or
0: right on our website. Yeah. And just see that video and so you can actually see the Spanish bean soup from the Columbia.
2: And theirs is not vegetarian, by the way.
0: No. So that you can see. I think it's good that we have our recipe in the show notes, and then we also have the example of the hearty meat version. Yes. Not vegetarian version.
2: Now, as somebody who's eaten both...
0: As a visual.
2: What do you think? Is it a pretty good uh, approximation?
0: It's that the broth is warm. It feels like home. Either one. I love them both. The chorizo is amazing. In and adds that kind of fattiness
2: it's hard to compete with though.
0: <sighs> that buttery fattiness i don't know if that makes any sense but that's how i feel about it sure and i have so many positive associative memories with having that soup at e at the ybor city location at the Kissimmee location at the riverwalk location of we,
2: we've basically eaten that soup at Every one uh, every of the locations lo- we've gone to. Yeah,
0: yeah, the only one we haven't hit is St. Augustine.
2: And we'll get the soup <laughs> when we go there.
0: Yeah, and now you know where all the locations are. So we highly recommend this vegetarian version. It's very hearty, it's very filling, it's very satisfying, full of protein. And there are, as we have talked about the ingredients, several different ways to vary it up if you're not going vegetarian.
2: Now think of it this way. You're not wanting to do it vegetarian. Awesome. The recipe we provided you is a great base and you can play with it and add your protein, but check it out. Yeah. If you make it, we would love for you to take a photo
0: and tag us
2: and send it to us or tag us either way. Okay. I think you're going to be very happy with it. This is a recipe that we make gosh at home. We make mm. it, We probably make this at least five times a year. Six I would year, say more than at that. At least. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, every few weeks. It may a, not
0: be a summer recipe no, so it, much. No, but it,
2: we've gone through a, a few crockpots or instant pots full of this already. Yeah. So, so. we're fans. We hope that you're going to be fans as well.
0: And the directions are super easy and also in the show notes.
2: Phenomenal. Yay. But before we go on.
0: We just want to say thank you to all of our patrons for your support and the growth you've allowed us to achieve, especially in 2020 and early 2021.
2: All of our patrons help our show so much. Your contribution each month helps us continue to bring our Runcation Nation a great show as we head into 2021.
0: And hopefully you like the changes we've made to the studio because of your help. We've been able to keep bringing you the show despite the challenges of being a runcation podcast and so many live races going virtual yeah,
2: and not being able <laughs> or to travel
0: being canceled and not being able to travel. So we are so grateful to all of you who are already patrons, those who have upgraded their pledges recently and at patreon.com Slash Runny Drink Podcast. We have three different levels. We have $2, $5, and $10 level, and they all have their own special perks that we continue to expand upon in 2021.
2: Patrons get special thank you messages from us, plus bonus audio podcasts that'll be coming up later in 2021.
0: Insiders get a look behind the scenes, get access to video footage of special interviews, maybe like the one we had today. Oh cooking demos from the runny drink podcast test kitchen and exclusive tastings of our favorite foods and beverages that we might not have had time to cover on the show.
2: Bonus. In fact, one of the perks for all of our patrons is that we also give you a special birthday shout out. Kristen Cineviva Iavine, fan of our show, just celebrated a birthday this past Saturday. Indeed. We don't say how many we just <laughs> honor and celebrate your birthday on yeah. our episode and social media. Happy birthday, Kristen.
0: Happy birthday, Kristen. We share your love of running, Disney, and coffee. We hope you had a great one. And, and as as Dana says, 21 looks good on you.
2: Absolutely. I was going <laughs> to say, if you're listening, know that we're still celebrating your birthday. That's right. We hope it was a great one. And (laughs) listen, if you guys, if you're not a patron already, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash runnydrinkpodcast, learn more, and become a patron today.
0: And as always, our show will be free. And we thank all of you for your support of the Runny Drink Podcast.
2: Let's talk drinks.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: She told me that there was a holiday coming up and I'm like, what's the holiday? Well,
0: I mean, you, okay, so
2: there's a holiday. national day for everything.
0: It's a it's a national day. It's not really a holiday because nobody really had the day off for it, but I
2: mean, they should.
0: Unless they strategically planned to have the day off and requested it or were just happened to be off, then you could celebrate National Margarita Day, which is February 22nd. So, as of this recording, we are, well, we're recording on that day. We are. So.
2: And we decided that we were going to do an homage or an homage We're going to pay tribute to some amazing margaritas that we've had in the past. And I think that we've talked margaritas on the show.
0: Speaking of Disney, because this past weekend would have been the Princess Half Marathon weekend. And we saw many of our patrons, friends, and supporters of the show, members of the Runcation Nation, achieving their virtuals. (sighs) Their challenges, 19.3, awesome. 13.1, 3.1, 6.2, all the things, yeah. all the miles, 5k, 10k, half, challenge, <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm saying to I you. Do. Congratulations to you all. You made us think about episode 26 when we had the rose margarita in Mexico. And that was actually at the flower and garden. I was just say,
2: to be clear, the Mexico pavilion at the Epcot Festival. <laughs> Food and Wine or Flower and Garden?
0: Flower and Garden. Flower and Garden. Flower and Garden, yes. So I just, those are the two, what, most successful or longest running? Well, I don't want to say most successful because Festival of the Arts, we really haven't experienced.
2: And it seems to be really picking up in terms of popularity. And just beautiful. But those two festivals are Very big draws. Mm. People love them. Yeah.
0: We love them. I really don't think we have talked about it. We didn't talk about it on the episode proper, but when it comes to Poppy's Mexican Restaurant in Lexington, Kentucky, we talked about the food from there in episode 56. We had a quick bite. That was an interview with Marcos Valdez, who is the owner. Yes. The margarita there. Was killer. It was the one that yesterday I used, or today, the 22nd, Mm -hmm. or if you're hearing this on Tuesday, yesterday. I can't keep the day straight.
2: You know what I mean. Recording, time shifting, it's difficult. It's, It's like time travel.
0: It is. Today's post for National Margarita Day shows you toasting with a poppy's margarita.
2: Yeah, and honestly, I'm not normally a margarita guy.
0: No, you don't like the sweeter, you've never been a dessert guy, and you always talked about that on the show.
2: Yeah, but poppies, I tasted it, and I was like, ooh, yeah, I'll have one of these. And Yum,
0: yum, yeah, yum. The
2: margarita was phenomenal, and Marcos was just... An amazing guy to talk to, and (laughs) I cannot wait to get back there. Me too. So
0: I hear that Run the Bluegrass is actually happening live at the end of March. I'm just saying to you.
2: If you get cleared for that much hill work between now and the end of March.
0: Probably not. But (laughs) I'm just saying it as a tip for some people, because we're looking at you, the Will Run For podcast. We know one of your hosts has it on the bucket list. It is.
2: It is quite the race.
0: It's the prettiest half marathon in the country also the hilliest (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) or one of the hilliest
0: nearby poppies yes so external motivator
2: so taking some of the motivation from margaritas we've had in the past we decided Mm. to do another inspiring fantastic recipe for you guys that that we perfected over many hours in the run eat drink podcast test kitchens
0: yes our researchers were hard at work hard at work all weekend long perfecting the recipe
2: and the inspiration actually comes mostly all of these margaritas that we've had gave us a great some great inspiration in terms of the proportions but the actual flavor profile came from a bar at Coronado Springs Resort in Walt Disney World that served a chipotle pineapple, pineapple. margarita.
0: Yes, we looked everywhere for that mix.
2: I it, I could not at the time get my hands on that chipotle syrup. And I to this day it just kills me that I can't I I think the company that made it at the time has stopped making it.
0: You think so? I
2: think so, because mm. I don't see any listings of it.
0: Disappointing. Because I
2: actually talked to the bartender to get you know info on that one. So I didn't I f- the
0: bartender actually show you the
2: showed me the bottle. The bottle of yeah. the
0: mix? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I ended up I wanted to do something that was a nod to that. Mm. So we ended up going with a pineapple jalapeno margarita here at home. And we mm-hmm. did a lot of refining, and we did some things that were a little bit bespoke, a little bit bespoke, pur- purpose-made for this cocktail. Oh. And when you look at the recipe, which is in the show notes. It is. And if you're listening, we also, on the social media post in Facebook, in our show notes there, you're going to be able to see the recipe. We actually take the time to make our very own jalapeno simple syrup. Yes, we do. Which imparts great sweetness and what you thought was just a, a really interesting twist to it.
0: I thought because you had left the veins, the ribs of the pepper, the all of the seeds,
2: mm-hmm. everything. I did. Yeah. Washed it. I got dangerous. It,
0: washed it, chopped it, just kept it in that simple syrup s- steeping. I thought we were going to have spice. Yeah. Really, we just had the waxy flavor of the jalapeno. Yeah. What would happen if we had used Chipotle's? Is that Am I saying that right? Yeah. Well, you could get
2: dried Chipotle's and, and maybe do it that way. But oh, uh, would
0: you get the heat? What if?
2: You might, depending on the pepper. I guess. The one thing about peppers, and we've had this even in cooking at home. Forget, mm. forget drinks for a second. We'll make yeah. tacos some nights. Yeah, And some nights we'll we'll live dangerously and just do sliced jalapeno and we won't de-seed.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And some nights you get one and you're like, eh, it's like a bell pepper, not much to it. And yeah. then other nights you get one and it, Hello? it wanted to be a habanero when it grew up.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it's angry that it wasn't a habanero.
2: Very angry. Mm-hmm. And it gets your attention. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was necessarily the cooking process that mellowed this out or the mm-hmm. fact that it was in so much... Sugar Because basically, a simple syrup is one part sugar, one part water. But it was a very mellow. Waxy
0: flavor. You got the
2: great, yeah, the flavor of the pepper. Mm -hmm. But the heat from this drink, even with the muddling of the jalapeno.
0: With the seeds and the ribs.
2: Still wasn't blowing doors off. And we weren't trying for that.
0: Would you have to leave it in... Would you have to combine all these ingredients, the silver tequila, the cointreau, the pineapple juice, the lime juice, and the sliced jalapeno and, and muddle that together and then leave it sit to impart some of that? Or maybe we just had a bash of jalapenos that were like, meh, we don't want to be spicy.
2: I would say that if you're making this drink at home, I would probably pre-test your jalapeno, test.
0: Somebody who is really... A spice head Maybe could try let it.
2: Let you know if this is a real hot pepper. Or yeah,
0: not. yeah. Or, so, yeah.
2: Here's the thing: if you want to make this and you're just really scared of it, you can always leave the jalapeno Ouch. out.
0: Yeah, we were just trying to balance. There's the pineapple juice, and the pineapple juice is really sweet. Yes. And the jalapeno, it's like a yin and a yang of the drink.
2: Yeah, this drink does a great job. The silver tequila is nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and, then, and again, that will vary depending on which brand you choose. For our purposes, we were using Milagro. Mm -hmm. Here at home, but but whatever your favorite silver tequila for mixing Whatever you choose. A little bit of Cointreau, which gives you the orange flavor, and that citrus Mm -hmm. offsets the pineapple a little bit. They play well together. But the lime juice is actually probably one of the most important ingredients in this.
0: I would say yes, because it cuts through the sweetness of the pineapple juice. Yep. And it's, it's like the salt and pepper of this cocktail.
2: That's a perfect way to put it.
0: Yeah, so tequila, Cointreau, pineapple juice, lime juice, sliced fresh jalapenos for muddling, and the jalapeno simple syrup in.
2: Yeah. Now Voila. Th- this is a very easy recipe. You can get as adventurous as you'd like. Mm-hmm. When you make it as directed, you end up with this wonderfully balanced margarita that I don't think does much more than just give you a little tingle on your lips.
0: Yeah, it's not bad.
2: And a little gradual warming in your mouth without blowing your doors off.
0: And could you do a rim? We didn't talk about doing any kind of salt rim or spiced salt rim, but could you do that? Sure, you could.
2: Oh, yeah. And and I played with that a little bit. I I don't know that you have to. And I would say... Do what you like. If you Mm -hmm. like a salt rim, go for it because, again, you're still that would add another element of the tradition to the beverage, Mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. And that saltiness combined with the sweetness and the tartness, Mm -hmm. that I think would be a great, a great hitting all the different notes. Balance this cocktail out. Yeah. You could also do something like a tajin spice.
0: Oh, I love that. We've seen that a lot from a local taco truck, Death by Taco.
2: As a spice on food, we've also mm. seen it used at La Cava del Tequila in Epcot. Disney,
0: yes, at Epcot, yes. And we've also seen it at, what is that, Inner Space Brewing in Huntsville, Alabama? Yes. Yeah, because they had chips and queso. With that seasoning. Yep. As you're having your flights of beer and things like that. So
2: So that would give you a tart, spicy, salty option Mm -hmm. to rim your glass with as well. Yes. So there's some great things for you guys to play with with this drink. The recipe, as written, will not blow your doors off.
0: Yes. Have no fear.
2: Give it a try.
0: really here. It's just levels of flavor.
2: Yeah. That's our goal. Mm -hmm. Because we know not everybody's a, a chili head. I am.
0: You can, I think this recipe is very flexible. Yes. You could do it or you could. Would you have
2: me make it again?
0: I would. Yes. And I think we could play with a different batch of jalapeno or we could step it up.
2: Oh. And
0: we could try maybe habaneros in the simple syrup and see if it's just the process of making the simple syrup or it's the pepper itself or there are, there's more homework from the, for the. Run, eat, drink, podcast, test, kitchen, chef.
2: Oh. Okay. Which is Dana. (laughs) (laughs) So. The secret's out.
0: Craft services, chef, technical support. He does it all. This podcast wouldn't exist without him or.
2: Let's not go that far.
0: All the members of our Runcation Nation that support us.
2: Absolutely. So. 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 Try that recipe. Let us know what you think. We think it looks and tastes fantastic. If you make it, take a photo, tag us, email it to us at info at runnydrink.net and show us your concoctions from your own test kitchen.
0: You could even send us a little memo, a little voice memo from your phone. Yes. And you could attach it to that email, info at runnydrink.net. And then you could just... Become running drink podcast famous. I love it. Mm-hmm.
2: So next week we are going to have more from Bart Yasso. So stay tuned for that. Yay! He has a wealth of advice and stories and wisdom from his experience, and that is yet to come.
0: This week we would really appreciate it if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. It's reviews like yours and like the ones that we have recently received that help us get discovered in the podcast community. This, we think we know who it is, but the nicknames f- that are posted with the reviews don't reveal who they are exactly. But this, the, the title of this one is, Like Listening to Friends. Amy and Dana are Wonderful very real people and very relatable. Every podcast feels like I'm sitting down with friends. I hope our paths cross in real world in the real world someday. Until then, their podcasts, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook feeds will have to do.
2: I love that. That it's is fantastic. so sweet.
0: So whoever and That's you, from
2: Cubs fan New Jersey or Cubs fan mm-hmm. NJ.
0: So whoever you are, thank you. Although we think we know who it is. We just want to say thank you.
2: And if you haven't already, head over there, give us a rating and review. It does help us get discovered because the algorithm Uh needs recent reviews and all that. So you're really helping us out. Please consider doing so. And we cannot thank you enough if you head over and give us that rating and review. That would be awesome.
0: That's going to do it for another episode of the Running Drink Podcast. We thank you for joining us on your long run, your commute to work, around the house, wherever you are. I'm your host, Amy.
2: And I'm your co-host, Dana.
0: Stay safe, stay well, and we will accomplish, explore, and indulge with you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink Podcast. We're having another great year thanks to your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at run, eat, drink Podcast, And on Twitter, we're runeatdrinkpod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or send us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute find out how you can support the show at patreon.com slash run eat drink podcast accomplish explore and indulge right along with us we'll talk to you next time